When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Yo! Hello, welcome to another Touchy Goodness podcast. My name's Lewis and I'm joined by my good brother, Sean, taking his hair out. Yeah, all good, man. All good. This is the stuff you do during the international break when there's fuck all else to do. So, so, so yeah. So. I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. I'll also be going to the barber today. Not Obviously not doing as much <laughs> as you have to do, but yeah, just just a quick, you know, get, get the clippers out. You know what I mean? Number three. <laughs> Uh, but yeah um obviously not much to talk about We've, we'll cover the Burnley game um although not much to really say about the Burnley game but we've got lots of listeners questions so we'll have a quick rundown of the Burnley game and then we'll jump into all of your listeners questions thank you for all of those we really appreciate it because I already put the tweet out last minute and you guys have sent in shit tons of listeners questions for us to answer so I really appreciate that um patrons um we apologize for no post-match after the the Burnley game um but yeah uh we will be doing some stuff over the international break for you guys only so if you want to be a patron um you know the link will be in the bio it's just three pounds a month and you get all this exclusive touchy gunas content rather than waiting until a Thursday for your touchy gunas drug you can get it uh a lot quicker than that um yeah, so a nitty's dream, really. Um, anyway, let's talk about Burnley. Um, I guess it's one of those games. I don't know uh, uh, if it's the same for you, but it's definitely, f- like for me, it's one of those games where, obviously in the Premier League, you can't really do this, but I do it. I, I'm just sort of like, yeah, three points, you know. I'm, I I was even tempted not to watch it, because um, I thought it'd be that comfortable. You know, I I kind of just expected just to come back at 5pm and see 3 nil, you know, or you know, something of that, um, a result of that type anyway. Um, what what was you thinking heading into the game? Did you, did you see any risk there attached to this game at all? <laughs> I mean, there's always risk attached, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's got to, with all due respect, like, Burnley are not very good. Uh, they don't have very good players. They're trying to play a style which saw them sweep the championship. But, you know, when you're trying to elevate that style against better players, you really get shown to a different level. So, yeah, at home to Burnley, it has to be three points. I think anything else is a disaster, literally. So, um, so yeah, so it was um, overall it was a comfy win. Um, I thought we had control for most of the game. Um, you know, 
we could maybe say we we could have created a bit more in open play, but but we had them penned in for most of the game. They had a they had one or two breakaways, but which is to be expected. A team's always going to have a moment in a game, right? But but for the most part, they were. I think the XG was like point. It was it was crazy low anyway. Like but um, one or something. Was yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so so we dominated. We had most of the territory, um, and and thankfully, obviously, we made we made that count. Um, it's always noticeable with Arsenal these days how much of a bigger team we are than a lot of the teams we play. Um, and actually, I saw that against Burnley, especially, which is why obviously two of our goals came from set pieces. Yeah. Um, and obviously, even the first one, which was from like a, a cross as well, where. It, it seems that's where we're carrying a big bit of our threat at the moment from, from crossing um, set pieces. So worked well in this game. Um, I, I've seen we are the team with the most set piece goals scored in the league this season. I think that might have been similar last season as well. So um, yeah, so we, uh, we seem uh, to... worth mentioning, though, that we're also the team with the most set pieces as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like we're this amazing set piece team or we just yeah. get like because we get so many. Yeah, we... yeah, yeah. Awesome, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Law of averages. So, yeah. So, so it was good to make it count from there, and and yeah, it was, it was an uneventful game. I'll be overly honest. Like the most eventful thing was that Fabio Vieira red card at the end. To be fair, yeah. it, it, not a lot happened. And and for for fans, like that could be. It is quite boring. But at the same time, how often did we say last season that our games were too dramatic? There was too much drama, too much of a narrative, too much of a storyline in the games. Like. This is just just win comfortable yeah. and keep keep it moving, and that's how you conserve energy, right? As well, you don't have to have these big like like you know when you think back to that Bournemouth game, it was great, but if you think how much energy they had to expend pretty much for after the first seven seconds from yeah from going down emotionally as well, yeah emotionally as well. So it's nice to have games where the game's done, we can switch off, we can make changes. There's and you've got no real worry about them coming back in. Do you know what I mean? So so yeah. Yeah, um, I guess a few questions about the lineup. I mean, when you think of Burnley at home, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I, I, it doesn't call for a Rice Jorginho pivot, yeah, um, yeah. And I wonder, you know, is that a Arteta being overly cautious angle, or is it a I really do not trust the other midfielders to do the job angle. And, you know, when you look at Vieira come on, uh, I think maybe we might have a question about Vieira. I'm not sure. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him anyway. I mean, he comes on, has his opportunity um, for last, what, 20, 25 minutes or whatever, gets sent off. A couple of days later, he's playing in the reserves. Um, it's... It's not great, is it? Because that is the sort of game that, and and we've spoken about this before, Sean. Like having a oh, he's he's really good for the Burnley game. He's a Burnley type player, or he's not that type of player. We've done that a lot with Vieira, right? This is a game for Vieira. This isn't a game for Vieira. I would have said this is one of those games where you can start Vieira. So how damning is it that you know he 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 wasn't really trusted to start this game? I mean, even if it's not damning, I don't think it reflects well because, like, to your point, it was Newcastle away the weekend before. Uh, he couldn't, we were saying, oh, he can't be trusted in that environment, too hell to skelter. Then Sevilla at home in the Champions League, oh, he can't be trusted again. 
and then Burnley at home, you know, the team with the, the worst away record in the league pretty much and just not very uh, an overly potent team. And he still can't get on the pitch. And this is with Erdegaard injured, ESR injured, Jesus injured. So loads of forward options that are out and you still can't get a start. So I think people are well within their rights to question, again, resource allocation, right? Because it's not like, cool, 35 mil in this current market probably isn't a lot, but still something you'd expect from a player to, to be able to contribute regularly. And you can't even use the aspect of, oh, he's new here. He's been here a year now. He should be fully acclimatised and just at a bit of a loss to, you know, what what is he really? Do you know what I mean? So if, if you can't be trusted at home to Burnley, when can you be trusted, in my opinion? So, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think that reflects well on him at all. And, yeah, to your point, I, I don't think Jorginho Havertz is necessary. I mean, Jorginho Rice is necessarily um, what you want, especially as Havertz himself isn't a creator. So you could probably balance if you're like, oh, if there was an Erdegaard there, cool, I don't really like it, but I could understand. But Jorginho Rice and then Havertz on top, you're like, well, it's not really, no, it's not a creative midfield, is it? It's just a midfield with a lot of running. Um, and obviously, um, but that's probably why obviously Zinchenko came in and, and I think he had his best game this season. And I think yeah. he especially is key in these game against low blocks as well, because I, I think he's the one who's regularly... Um, you know, making those passes into the final third. And I think score could put up those stats. He was like top for every metric, like jewels, recoveries, but also passes into the final third. And he got a goal as well. So, um, so yeah, great I think goal. especially great goal. Yeah, great goal. So in these games, he's critical more than most, especially with the players we're missing as well. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a bit about like the creativity and we spoke about the amount of set pieces that we're getting, the amount of set piece goals we're getting. I think... I think we might be at like close to 50% of our goals being from set pieces. I don't know if that is, I don't, I haven't actually seen the stat. I've just seen someone post the stat. So I, mm. I don't know if that is like legit, Um, but it sounds right. Like we are getting quite a lot of goals from set pieces and pens. Um, How concerned are you that, you know, quite a large proportion of our goals are coming from set pieces? And I'll let you know my stuff. Like, I'm actually not that concerned because when I think about goals, I'm thinking about sustainability and can you continue this? And I think because we're average, averaging something like eight or nine corners a game, um, I think you can kind of justify it and say, well, do you know what? If you're getting eight or nine corners a game, you probably need to score from one of them because, you know what's the point otherwise of having all those set pieces, all those territorial, um, all that territorial control and possession around the box. And um, if you're, you know, if you're not actually scoring from open play, I, I guess the next best thing is to create a, a more dangerous encounter by having a set piece where you can put the ball in the box. And like you said, we've got quite, quite tall players now, quite big players now who um, are able to, you know, attack the ball in the box. So I'm not, I'm actually not that concerned about it because I expect it. I expect mm. when these teams are playing so deep, literally playing on the edge of our area, you look at someone like Burnley, Burnley this season, they've been, they've been trying to play football. They, first game of the season, I remember against, against Man City, they tried to play toe-to-toe mm. -to -toe against Man City, suicidal, mind, mm -hmm. suicidal, and they got pumped. Mm. Um, but they've been trying to play football this season and it was very interesting to see that literally after about five minutes Burnley went straight into a shell mm. and we're like camped in their half and I just expect 
this to happen, especially when you have a midfield free of Jorginho, Havertz, Rice, mm. where it's, like you said, it's not the most creative midfield. Mm. Um, I do expect lots and lots and lots of set pieces. And if you're going to get lots and lots of set pieces, you need to be able to score from them. So um, I'm not concerned about it because I do think it's sustainable myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when you're, like you said, when you're camped in, set pieces become a bigger avenue if you can't find your way through. So, um, so yeah, it definitely needs to be an emphasis. However, I think obviously people always compare it to last season when, you know, the, the avenue of ball progression was a lot slicker, it was a lot smoother. You had Zinchenko party who could progress sometimes. Zinchenko would rotate with Xhaka who could also progress as well. So I do think we've lost that passing aspect a bit this season. Um, not even just both centrally, just generally. Um, so... So yeah, I, I think that's an area which which we which we do still have to look at, and and I I think I said in preseason I, I did expect it to an extent because when you change essentially two thirds of your midfield right um, in in Rice and Havertz, there's going to be an adaptation period because they haven't been embedded into the team as long as the guys who were there before. So and um, so I, I think it's just something to to watch and see how it evolves. Um, I'm not going to say. That there is a slight concern, but I remember when people used to say Arteta couldn't coach an attack before, and obviously last season we scored the most goals we ever did in a Premier League season. So I think it's something he will probably be aware of. It, it's it's how he fine-tunes that balance. Um, on the flip side, to give a counter-argument, you could say, I think we've scored 20, so we've still already scored quite a lot of goals. We scored 26 goals, conceded 10. Um, so we're, we're still on a decent trajectory goal-wise already. Um, we're not giving a lot away. And and to the to the point made, like we're only a point off the top, having had a horrific injury list, you know, so far this season. And I think we've played everybody at the top, right? Bar Liverpool. Bar so Liverpool, yeah. so we played all of the main ops. We played Newcastle, we played Spurs, we played Chelsea, we played City, we played United. So we had a very hard start. So to be fair, to be only a point off the top after this hard start. I guess um, you could include Villa as well, because uh, they are like one of the four teams. Villa so. To come, yeah. So but we, but still, that's a hard start, right? We played most yeah. of the, the top teams in the league already. Um, so to do that, with all the caveats included of players absent, um, integrating new players, it's not the worst position to be in. So hopefully we can continue along this picking up points. And I think I said this again in pre-season, um, if we can continue picking up points while integrating and you know trying to adapt these new guys in, um, hopefully we will peak later in the season and import performances will improve later in the season because obviously what what we saw last season was how we started like a train but but we really ran out of steam at the end didn't we so so let's see yeah yeah facts facts um are there any other parts of the game that you you'd like to discuss before we move on some listeners question i thought zinchenko's uh, goal was fantastic um yeah and, and we've mentioned his performance thought, was, yeah, was brilliant he, as well he was the best player on the pitch i think that was his best performance mm. as well i think he's been a bit quiet so to speak himself so far this season so yeah and he was a massive he pretty much changed our lives more than anyone last season as well like obviously i know we we had you know jesus saliva come in but like that was the first time we proper saw an inverted fullback due to the level what he did last season so um it'd be nice if he could you know start to get some consistency into his game again and reach that level that he did last season so yeah, so, yeah. facts um well i guess that's a good place to start our first is the question that is from g theorem um he asks uh has tommy snatched zinchenko's chain 
It seems as though he's the go-to option for Arteta, particularly in important games. If so, is this driven off Zinni's injury issues or is it Arteta starting to prioritise playing proper defenders instead of playmakers posing as defenders? I don't know if it's, if it's a chain that's been snatched. I just think it's, we said last season, there's there's games which might not be for Zinni and there's definitely games that are for Zinni. So it's, and again, we should never look at it as, and, and we are all guilty of this, of looking at it as, as a first 11, right? It's, it's a squad game, so players will come in for, 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 for different for different games. So it's not not so much a case of that for me. And, le- and let's not forget, we also have Timber who's injured and, you know, Timber probably would have played a lot um, in certain games. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, I, I don't see it as one person or another. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I... I... I I have felt with with parties injured. I've kind of expected Zinchenko to start a little bit more, um, just because obviously we have lacked that kind of forward progression that Zinchenko and Partey give us. They're probably what, and I, I guess you can say Jorginho as well, although Jorginho is not as consistent as I'd like him to be in that respect. But I I have felt that maybe with Partey's omission from the team we'd have seen a bit more from Zinchenko. Um, but he's... Yeah, it's, he has gone for the more solidified approach. I, I wonder if this is a... Um, you know, because Man City do the same thing, right? Man City literally play four centre-backs. Um, and I wonder if this is him kind of replicating that again with, you know... We, we are playing four centre-backs. We're playing Tomiyasu, yeah. Saliba, Gabriel... And Ben White, who for me so, is a centre-back. Yeah, yeah and, and and I've got no issue with that. And like I said, we've had a hard fixture list. So, you know, there's certain games like Newcastle away, you're, you're looking at, you're like, mm, should I start Zinni here? Do you know what I mean? So I, I get that to an extent. I think my thing is, if you're not going to put him in, you need to go and find another creative option from elsewhere. Do you know what yes. I mean? So because the trade-off isn't working elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So because the players that are supposed to be giving us something aren't giving us something. So... Um, which is why, I, and I saw the article in The Athletic yesterday, I, I'm not against trialing Zinchenko as an eight. I'm really not, because you couldn't tell me, in my opinion, that he wouldn't be a better option there than Havertz or, or Vieira, do you know? And we know Zinchenko wins a lot of jewels. He wins a lot. We know, obviously, in a foot race, he can get beaten, but he wins a lot of jewels. He wins a lot. His heading, like, is he's very good in the air. So... And it's not like he gets blamed. Like he plays centre, he's the captain of Ukraine. He plays centre mid. It's not like it's an alien concept to him. Do you know what I mean? We're just asking his starting to position to be there rather than invert from from normal. So I, I I'm not opposed to seeing it. I'll be honest with you, Lewis. What do you uh, think? Uh, what do you think Arteta's opposition to it is? Because we've never seen it. Never. Have we? seen it. No. No. Uh, maybe. Is it the physicality? But then again, he plays him left back, <laughs> and he's mm. he, he deals with a lot of like balls over the top, which he wins headers for. Like, yeah. And but is it is it the running power in midfield? Maybe, maybe it's it's Vieira you know, like, stronger, is Vieira a stronger runner than him? I don't I don't think so. No, I I I, I think, but I think that's one of the reasons why Vieira struggles is. But, is but he also, Jorginho is not Jorginho is not a strong he runner either. Like, you know, some of the negatives you'd use against him i'm like well I, I could i could hold this over you know i don't even think Havertz is a strong runner if i'm being honest um like he's 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 more physically imposing yeah, like he's he... more physically imposing and the, the thing is he can cover ground Havertz. he can cover ground yeah. so but 
you know, <laughs> that's that's all we're saying. I, I think mm. Zinchenko could argue, arguably give us. It's it's of all the things that have been trialed, I'm I, I, legit. I'm surprised this hasn't been trialed. Yeah, like, m- maybe less so because if, if I'm to flip it right now, we only have six defenders, right? Mm. We have so we can't. Maybe somewhere he's thinking, I can't really do this right now because if I have another injury in defense, like right now we have Gabriel Saliba, Tommy White. Zinchenko and Kibio. So we have six defenders, yeah. right? Tommy's going Asia Cup in January. So that's down to five. So there's an argument we already need a defender in Jan mm. anyway, because um, obviously we don't know when Timber's coming back. And obviously, even if he does come back, it's going to take him a while to get up to full speed after his yeah, ACL. Yeah. Right? So I've written him off for the season. If I'm same, same. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting to see him personally. Um, so, so yeah. So, so may, maybe that might be a factor as well. Him thinking that, do you know what? We're already quite light. In defensive areas um it's not a decision i'm gonna make so so yeah yeah um so uh it's interesting that you literally just got a question in three minutes ago from ad still he says what's you guys thoughts of zinni in cm as the left eight so yeah i think we've just um uh we've just people having debates in our uh in our in our mentions about certain <laughs> questions but yeah um okay this is from kg underscore ffb he asked twofold question um he says number one declan rice has, has been a great signing but is there a risk we're becoming too reliant on him uh so i mean we spent 100 mil so he's a marquee guy so he's gonna play a lot i do however understand the flip side of the question like i'm like just because he is super athletic and just because he can play a lot doesn't mean we shouldn't try to protect him at times where we can. Mm. So I understand the flip side because people will be like, oh, each of the last two seasons, he played at least 50 domestic games for for West Ham, right? And that's a lot of football. You know, mm. for someone who's 24, like he's probably clocked up a lot of mileage on the clock already. Like, And we've seen yeah. examples of guys who are so good, so young that, you know, by the time they reach their late 20s, early 30s they start to get a bit washed just because of the the volume of, of football they played but rice is our marquee signing he's the most expensive player in the club's history so he's going to get used a lot but my, my thing is just that can we help him a bit more like where we can because at the moment especially with Georgino and Havertz it feels like he's doing two people's jobs and, mm. I, and I don't think that's right personally and and that would be for me a thought of management in terms of how you built you built the squad because we don't have other reliable options so yeah, because because right now you're looking, in my opinion, him and Odegaard are the only reliable midfielders because Party's consistently unavailable. Jorginho, okay for certain minutes, but Havertz not reliable. Vieira not reliable. Even Smith Rowe, I love him, but not reliable. So you know what can you do? Is there a concern now though that because obviously Rice has really made his mark on the team and mm-hmm. um, you know his his skill set is so clear to see that yeah. now when he comes out of the team we do not have anything close yeah yeah to well, what I, I, I think him being there is especially critical now that we don't know when party's going to be back either yeah no so it's, it's magnified if you had party you could be like maybe every now and then i could take rice out but you just can't right now you you, you legit can't so and because of the party situation I, I just it just becomes even more essential I, I think for me personally that we're going to need some sort of midfielder and but but I don't know if we will because right we spent a lot we've got Havertz we've got Vieira so 
the onus is on the manager to make that work right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, his second question is actually uh, Arsenal were reportedly interested in Pedro Neto before his injury. Which right wing, left wing winger should Arsenal try to sign as an alternative if Neto is still injured in January? I think he's just got a hamstring injury, yes, hasn't it? I don't think it's yeah, yeah. like supposed to be serious. So no, no, any. Yeah. Any interest in him? I'm, I would imagine you wouldn't let a hamstring injury put you off, no, would you? No, no. Unless it was like a recurring theme. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably one of those like you know when you have like a serious knee injury, you come back, you can have like minor hiccups like with like mm. hamstrings. And he's just a very, I think, explosive players like him are susceptible yeah. to probably injuries like that, right? Um, yeah. So Martinelli had a hamstring injury earlier this season as well, so yeah. it happens to explosive types. So um, first and foremost, I don't think we'd be able to get. Neto in January. I, I just don't think Wolves would. I don't think Wolves would sell him in Jan. Put it that way. I think it'd be, if anything, could be a summer deal. My thing is now, because I think a defender is a priority in Jan, and you could argue another midfielder is in Jan. So would we prioritize that over a winger? You know, like when, when with a defender. At, yeah. Do you not think we should just look at a loan market? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it has to be a permanent signing or whatever. Like, if you could get a decent loan in, fair enough. Um, because I don't think there's anything really coming through the academy unless Arteta maybe trust like Rule Waters. But uh, it, some people, it, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Someone would say maybe Rule yeah. Waters, or is there, um, he, he, he hasn't shown that he has any inclination to do that personally so far. Yeah, he hasn't and, I, and I've seen some, and I've seen some people reference like, oh, look at Rico Lewis at, at Man City, and, and fair enough, right? But mm. You know, look at where you can bring him into. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? So, and also, I think Rico Lewis is a. <coughs> from what I've seen of Rico Lewis, is a very, 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 very like elite yeah, yeah. talent. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I could. I haven't seen enough of Waters, but nothing has come out of the academy to say this is that guy. You know, he is our next Sol Campbell, our next Tony Adams, you know, nothing has it's, come out to say. It's, it's, to be fair, it's a blind spot for the academy in general. Like, we just, we never really produce good defenders. Like, no, we no, we, we don't. Since, really since don't. Ashley Cole, like, who, who's come through the academy as a... Oh, Kieran Gibbs, maybe. Okay, cool, I forgot. Kieran him. Gibbs, yeah. yeah. Um, Ashley Cole. Even before then, I mean, yeah, you have to... You, you're going back to the days of, like, Tony Adams. Tony Adams, to, yeah. Well, funnily oh. enough, I saw yesterday uh, Justin Hoyt is still playing football. Oh, at really? he's, he's not retired yet. <laughs> Jesus, who's he playing for? He's he's not got a club, but I don't think he's he's not he's, oh, he's, he's still trying to play. So, but yeah, I, I think generally is it's, it's a bit of a blind spot for us. We, we don't do well um, with defenders, especially when you look at you know. I know it pains me to say, it, but when you look at Chelsea, Tomori came through there. Mark Gway, he came through yeah. there. You look at Cole coming through there. I'm sure they've had one or two more. Trevor Ch Chalabas come through there. So, yeah. Livramento, do you know what? Yeah, they did. The, the list is endless. The yeah, list is yeah. endless. We don't yeah. seem to be producing the level of uh, defender Defenders. that they are. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, maybe something to be looked at there because mm -hmm. we seem to do better with the attacking talents. Yeah, midfielders yeah, yeah. and attackers, we don't seem to have an issue. But yeah, defenders, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. All right. Um, well, it, the question was like, you know, are oh. there like any other alternatives mm -hmm. to, to pet? Pedro Neto. We Put it this way, um, I, I, I don't think we're signing a winger in January. I'll be totally honest with you. I don't. So, mm. you know, uh, and I don't watch 
I'll be, I don't watch enough football anymore to say like with clarity who I would want. Like, yeah. I think there was one guy from Norway, Antonio Nusa, who looks who looks like a yeah. decent winner. I saw him play for Norway um, mm. a few weeks ago during the, well yeah. during the bloody twelfth international break of the season. Well, he's, but he's, um, gonna, he's probably going to play now this international. Break. Yeah, he'll play this. He was he looked. He looked very, very, yeah, yeah. Very so good. What I've uh, seen of him, the little I've seen of him, he he looks good, but he looks predominantly like a left winger, right? Uh, left winger, yeah. Talking. But I, I see him more in the Saka mold. Okay, but he does play left wing. But I see him yeah. as more. I don't see him as more. I see him more as Saka as more than Martinelli. Okay. If if we're comparing yeah. the two, um, I mean, like I said, the, the thing with Neto that was always appealing was that he plays both sides comfortably. Mm. Like, there's just not many wingers that. You could be like, I can play him left wing. I can play him yeah. right wing. Like, you play Neto on the left. He's happy to just cook like on the outside on the left. You yeah. play him on the right. He can go both sides, cut in. So I would really love a winger who's comfy on both sides. Who that is, mm. I don't know. To be fair, I've been looking a bit at uh, Ansu Fati. Looks to be gaining form again. At, at, at you know, um, on loan. Um, Might be one to watch. Might be one to watch. So, but that's that is loan. That is a loan, right? It's only, it's only a loan. So, so you'd imagine if he does do well at Brighton, Barcelona, <laughs> just yeah, might bring him back or yeah, the because they're not wins. exactly looking the strongest Barcelona. Yeah. I don't think. No, no. So. Uh, okay, still digs. He says um, he asks uh, for the qualities that Partey provides. Who do you see Arsenal realistically getting in to replace him? And then who would be a miracle signing for him? So, so with this question, yeah, a lot of it depends on how we see Rice long term, or how should, should I say how the manager sees Rice long term, right? So we've had a look at him at both six and eight. Um, you know, I my preference is that we develop him as a six, just because I think his athletic qualities are best better utilized deeper in defensive transitions, stopping attacks, and being at the base of attacks. Hopefully, we can develop part of party's game in him. And I would outsource, you know, I would, I just want someone a bit more creative at left eight. Do you know what I mean? So, and and I always use Locatelli as an example, that sort of prototype, you know, someone who's a bit of a six and an eight, but who can drop in, you know, I saw those Ruben Neves links the other day. I think that might actually be, a, I don't know if that, that, I don't think that would happen, but as a loan, for example, that would be a decent shout, um, like a Ruben Neves on loan. Um, he that plays was an interesting link, wasn't yeah. it? And, and we also know we wanted him before. Arteta likes going back for players that he liked before. Um, I think when Jacko was linked with Roma a couple of years back, he was Neves was on the agenda. So, um, but yeah, but I'd like a bit, yeah, someone a bit more press resistant who can play on a half turn, who can carry forward, who's got a bit of an eye for a pass in them. So yeah, I don't, I don't know who that is again, but uh, but my preference would be for Rice to, to be developed as a six long term and for us to buy like a an eight to play with him. Yeah. Or someone who could play as a six and an eight, which is why people always reference like a Bruno G or someone like that. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I want to change focus a little bit uh, because there is one big situation we, we we need to probably talk a little bit more in depth about. Um, D underscore wits. He he says, "What's the ideal outcome with the Ramsdale situation?" And you know, I'm probably going to turn all Ramsdale defense league here. Rd Rdf. Uh, RDL, sorry, F, RDL, RDL, RDL. RDL. Um, yeah, um, I think the Ramsdale situation has really kind of annoyed me a little bit, um, and I know me and you were probably on opposing sides of the fence here, um, but I, I really can see 
Ramsdale's point here. And I can see why he would feel like he's done, he's been done dirty. And I really don't think Arteta has handled this well. Um, I think when you when you have when you look at the timeline of events, right? You've right, so you're Ramsdale, you've just come off your best ever season. Um, what did he get? Was he named in the team of the year of the no. Premier League? That was Allison. Was it Alice? So what award did he get at the start of the season then? He was in like the London football team, but I can't but Okay, I, I, he picked I, up some award, didn't he? Or whatever, okay. right? Got given um, um he got like a lot of clean sheets last year, was it like second most joint clean sheets or something like that? Quite quite a high amount of client clean sheets, 14, I think it was. Um is rewarded with a new contract. You know, Arteta comes out in the press. We're we're so happy with him. Um, this player is gonna go on to um bigger and better things, uh, so they reward him with a new contract. And in my opinion, as a goalkeeper, when you're renewing a guy's contract and you're giving him a pay rise, an extended deal, you're basically saying to this goalkeeper, you're my guy. In my opinion, that's how I would receive it. We obviously don't know what conversations are going on behind Mm -hmm. the scenes, right? You're you're saying with with that action, you're saying you are my guy. Cool. A few weeks later now, you're bringing in David Rea. And all of a sudden, the, the tone changes. So in the media, you get an Arteta coming out saying, yeah, you know, uh, there's been times where I've wanted to sub my goalkeeper out and put a new goalkeeper in. Um, I've asked goalkeepers before to do certain things and they've refused to do it. And it's like, whoa, what's going on here? At the time, I openly objected to these comments because I'm thinking, why are you trying to throw man under the bus? I didn't, I didn't understand that. Um, it's blatant shots at Ramsdale. You manage one team. You, you ain't talking about the reserve goalkeepers at Man City, or the, you know, you're not. You're, you're talking about Ramsdale. Um, so I didn't really understand those media comments. So. Really and truly, he has started this kind of media um, bitch fight that is going on currently. Um, and it, it all stemmed from Arteta. So you, you, he's then said all this thing. He's tried to make it into a rotational thing, right? This is going to be horses for courses. There are going to be certain games for Rare. There's going to be certain games for Ramsdale. Who knows? I might even sub one of them during the game. It hasn't turned that way, has it? Because... Even if we're doing it on a meritocracy thing, yeah, Raya didn't have to work to get into the team. He was straight in. Um, Raya has come in, and for my money, we do the we do the player ratings, right? We do the player ratings, and we do the um, the post match podcast where we where we do this. And we talk about every game. Raya's rating is lower than Ramsdale's, so. Obviously, these ratings are are in our eyes. They aren't in a manager's eyes. So that's a different argument entirely. Um, So Arteta might think, you know, Raya is doing more of the things that I want Ramsdale to do. But, you know, for my money, Raya hasn't been better than Ramsdale. So I don't, I I can't see it as like a meritocracy thing. Um, You know, Raya hasn't been stripped of his position after numerous mistakes where he's cost us games or could have cost us games. And... So it really hasn't turned into this rotational, um, you know, rotational thing that uh, Arteta promised it would be. It it really is. Raya has come in to be number one and snatched Ramsdale's chain. 
And for me, I feel like Ramsdale has every right to be aggrieved about this, especially after Arteta tried to turn him out in the media when when Raya first came in. I think it's, I honestly think it's all fair game. I really do. And as a, po- as a uh, you know, his dad's comments, fine. I agree. Probably shouldn't be coming out and saying it. Probably had a few too many beers. And um, I, I personally can't imagine that Ramsdale would have sanctioned his dad saying those things in it. But his dad's a passionate guy. We've seen him. We've lauded it before. We, we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed him being a passionate guy. Obviously, when it works against you, um, it's, it's a different story. But I, I personally, I don't really understand all the criticism coming towards Ramsdale. I, I, I can see it clear as day. He's been done dirty. And um, I, 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 pers- I perfectly understand his... Um, his his uh, frustrations. What do you think? I, I can definitely understand why Ramsdale's frustrated. Um, uh, I mean, my, my standpoint is that I never believed Arteta's a pathological liar anyway. Like, he, he lies at the best of times. Like, so when he said it was, yeah, competition, I've always said, like, and when I was arguing with people online about it, I was like, there's no such thing as goalkeeper competition. The moment we were linked with Raya, especially when you know the previous that we tried to sign him before we, we signed Ramsdale. I think they saw it as an opportunity to get in the goalkeeper that they actually wanted to, to start with. Do you know what I mean? So um, when you're, when you talk about the point about, uh, and, and, you know, the new contract, I think they did that to protect his fee. Um, and this is just looking at it from the club perspective, not Ramsdale's perspective. I can totally see why Ramsdale would be upset at it. But I remember when I think Ramsdale went onto a podcast and he said about how he's not overly comfortable, you know, playing out from the back and him and Alteta found a common ground. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Arteta's the type to find a common ground. I think Arteta probably stomached that and he was thinking, this isn't what I want to do. Like, you know, we know that Arteta's very principled in his in what he believes should be done. So um, I, I, I just think he's seen as an opportunity to go and get who he wants. And it is what it is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not convinced by Raya myself either. Uh, so he's got a lot he's got a lot to do but yeah this is a problem the manager's created and he has to he has to find a workable solution i think the only solution is that he's going to end up leaving anyway like ramsdale um yeah it's interesting because obviously southgate has said that if you're still not playing in a few months i can't guarantee you're going to be on the plane to the euro so i think this would be a situation that arsenal would want to solve next summer but we might see something in jan <laughs> and, and bearing in mind what we've already spoken about defender midfielder maybe winger the works that need to be done. The last thing you need now is a is a goalkeeper issue as well. But then again, if someone came in with a big offer in Jan for Ramsdale, they might just they might see that as an opportunity to to put funds into elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? So so yeah, yeah. I think I think if you've got um, if if you are right and you're saying right, Raya's his guy, right? This is gonna be the um the bed that he lays in, he's made his bed, he's going to lay in it, and um, this is the decision he's made, then you you have to sell Ramsdale. You can't have a, whatever you think of the fee, 30 million, 40 million pound asset, just sitting on a bench, never playing. England international. You, It doesn't make any sense to have that. You're paying a, a, a second choice goalkeeper. What, what do you reckon Ramsdale's on? 100, well, 100 plus? 140? Yeah, yeah. Like, must be on good money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You can't just have that sitting on the bench. That's such a waste of allocation. You're literally playing, going to play 5% of your games in a season. It's yeah. you, it's it's bananas to have that just sitting there. You know, you, you, you have to sell. That's the only logical conclusion from this. Unless you, unless 
you really feel like Ramsdale can turn it around and you, you're not that convinced by Rhea. And that's the good thing about the loan, I would say. The good mm-hmm. thing about this loan has been that we're not obligated to sign Raya, are we? We don't have to sell him. We don't have to sign him. Yeah. Or do we? Well, it says option, but apparently some people are saying if certain clauses right. are met. I don't know. But I think they want to sign him. I think they're going right. to sign him. I think yeah, fair enough. Him. So fair enough. Fair enough. Let's well, see. we'll see what happens with that anyway. Um last couple questions. So Jay Boogie, he says, Did we fumble letting Ballo go and keeping Eddie instead? Uh, uh, well, personally, as, as a fan of Ballo, uh, he needed to go and start games, so he was never going to come and sit on the bench for for a long period. I think Arteta also prioritizes hierarchy. Um, I think I can't remember who where I heard it, but it was like they always said that Enketia and Balogun had this; they shared the same agent, so it was never something that was going to work long term. One of them was always going to leave, um, and I think it was probably just easier for to sell Balogun, especially after the season he had. There's probably more value with him, so that's what's happened, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if if you're asking me, I'm of the opinion that Eddie needs to go at some point as well. So, and we need to reinvest and reallocate those funds as well. So, um, because we spoke about, I think you know when he starts, him and Martinelli they have zero chemistry. Uh, Martinelli's rarely ever involved in games as much when Eddie starts, and, and look what happened when Trossard came in at the mm. weekend and started against Sevilla in the Champions League a few days before. So it's definitely something to be looked at. Um, and I personally don't like Trossard out wide. So Trossard could be an option at false nine, might allow us to go and get enough, you know, open up a space on the on the wing as well. So <laughs> it's interesting that we're doing this whole kind of thing of like, even we're doing it with Havertz now, we're like, oh yeah, I don't really like Trossard out wide, just put him up front. Oh, yeah. they really don't like Hammers in the eight. Just put him up front. Like, <laughs> the uh, up front has become the position where you send your uh, the players <laughs> with the most deficiencies and flaws. It's well, like... to, to, to be fair to Trossard, though, he's actually been decent when he's played full nine. Yeah, so he has. Yeah. He's, he's never actually stunk out the joint there. Havertz is just kind of, we know we can't flog him. So what yeah, can we do? Harm's way, yeah. And so, yeah. You know he's going to play, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that leads me to my last question. And um, there's a bit of a debate going on in our group chat right in, in our group chat in our um, mentions right now uh, armchair gaffers ac gaffers big up you bro um he, he asked can cobra attack high turn it around um and then kg underscore ffb is says he, he replies to the question he says what's your answer to the, to the question by the way if you regularly listen to the pod you know they've openly said they don't like the player and objected to the sign-in so they can't be objective when it comes to kai Havertz. You are not going to get a nuanced debate. I, 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 I don't like that. I don't like the fact that he's saying that we, we can't be objective. A lot of people didn't want Ramsdale, but we could be objective that when he played well at the start, do you know what I mean? So I, I think you can distinguish your actual opinion from what you think. Like People just I, think like, I, I don't want habits to be bad. Like, I don't, exactly, I don't, I don't that's what I was going like, to say. Nobody wants him to be shit. So it's like, if there's... If there's anyone who's going to change their mind, it's going to be Arsenal fans who want the team to do well. You right, know? So right. we're, you're not going to be stuck in your ways about a player because you just want to be right. That yeah. I assure you, that is not what's happening. Like, exactly. If there's anyone who wants him to do well and say and fall on their shield and say, yeah, you know what, hands up, I was wrong yeah. about habits. It's going to be all of us. We yeah, yeah, all 100%. want to do that. We're not yeah. like stubborn people so i don't I, I think we've had a very nuanced debate i just don't understand 
I just don't see where the positivity comes with Havertz. I don't see what he's bringing to the table. And I don't feel like we should have to pretend to be, you know, or, or, or like, oh, don't don't worry, it's going to change. Or look at all these things that he's doing. He's winning so many duels, you know. I, I, we don't have to be disingenuous to um, to feel like this signing has is going to reach like a point where you know, he has turned it around and that he is a valuable member to the team and he has proved worth the £60 million. Pound. I think you have to call it as you see it he, oh, at the moment. And, and this, is, this is what I said. I was on Jessica Black's podcast the other night and we were talking about how, you know, a lot of fans blindly back and, and they're not willing to be objective. And like, you can back the manager, but you can also, it's, you're also allowed to question certain decisions. It's not like you should just sit up and shut up because otherwise... What would be the point of all these podcasts, all these forums? Exactly, this is what yeah. nuanced debate is created for. We're allowed to have an opinion, and and our opinion is based on what we've seen. I think, and us, we both said this. Jess said this the other night as well. You're like, you're lying to yourself if you think he's been good. Like, you're, you're, you, we've had a lot of good midfielders at the club. We know what good looks like. We don't need to have to squint and like try and work out what's happening. Like, when something's good, you know it's good. No one's having to make up a, a, a reasons for like Declan Rice. We can all objectively sit back and say Rice has been good. And, not and you know, Rice. there were a few people who didn't like the Rice signing. Right, exactly. And guess what? Rice individually has performed well. So, so you, you know so so the people who didn't like it, and I was one of them. I've said I didn't really see this Rice at six thing, and yeah. I've had to say, do you know what? I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why wouldn't I do the same about Havertz? Yeah. I've got I've got no issue with being wrong. Like I, I I don't care. Like I want Arsenal to be good first and foremost. So like my opinion of certain players supersedes like me me wanting Arsenal to be good supersedes any opinion of like a player I have. So I'm always willing to change my mind. I don't really yeah. care. Like you said, and I, and I think we always say this on this pod. Once you're presented with new information, you can change your mind. There's there's Country. legit nothing wrong with that. If Havertz now starts playing like. Urzil, ain't no one gonna have, ain't no one gonna be complaining. Do you know what I mean? No, so, of course not. So, yeah, of course not. But uh, I mean, to the question, is is Cobra Kai going to turn it around? I don't think so. I don't see how. Um, to me, I've been so disappointed with the technical level of this player, man. I think I thought what you would get at the very least was like a secure footballer, technically. Right. Um, I I keep saying it. Technically, he hasn't done a single thing in an Arsenal shirt where I've been like, okay, that was really good. Mm-hmm. You know, not even wow. I'm not even talking about being wowed. I'm not. I don't expect to be wowed by everyone in the team. But from a technical point, I've not seen him do anything above average. And <laughs> I, I, I kind of that was the very least I was expecting. You know, I, I had questions about his mentality, about his physicality, about where he fits in. Um, but the te- it's the technical side of his game that I just can't get around. It 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 feels like he's... We used to take the piss out of um, Kurt Zuma for how much focus he puts into controlling a football. And we used to call it Zuma focus, right? Havertz has very, very similar attribute where you feel like he's putting a lot of energy into getting that first touch right you know get and then getting the ball out of his feet and then passing it there's a lot of there's a lot of cogs turning around in his head for Mm -hmm. those moments 
and it it doesn't feel like it's coming naturally to him and that has been a real a real disappointment for me so far is has been the technical side of his game and i just don't see what you go back history we asked to have signed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of players right mm-hmm. and we've seen them all we've seen them all over the last 20 years how many players have come in looked as bad as Havertz has and turned it around zero percent zero percent we asked i asked this question the other day in the group chat didn't we we all we all tried to go through players oh you know um, I can't. So who was some of the names? Some, some people mentioned like Jack. Jacka was never this bad. He was never yeah. ever this bad. Not at all. Not at all. You know. So it just doesn't happen. Players do not start this poorly. Show you who they are for three months, and then turn it around significantly uh, and, and 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 become like this world class player. He might become tolerable. You know. He might have certain moments in games but ultimately i think it's 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 kind of set in stone now what he is going to be he's going to be a frustrating player for us and probably you know sooner or later i think more and more people are going to come round to the idea that yeah this guy is not it and we're going to need to move on or play him somewhere else you know but yeah that's that's where I stand with it. I can't see it. I can't see it turning around personally. I think he's shown us who he is. Some of us knew who he was before at Chelsea, and which is why we were so concerned about the signing. And it's kind of just played out even worse than I ever thought it would be, if I'm being honest. Um, and kudos to the team because we're still right up there. <laughs> and I feel like we're carrying a passenger every game, especially offensively. You know, mm-hmm. it's he, he's not. He's, he's not bringing anything to the table offensively and you are an offensive player. It's really, really bad. Really, really bad. And I don't want to be this like overly negative person, but I just, uh, yeah. If, if he had, if he played for any other team, we take the piss out of Anthony and, and players like that. I don't mm-hmm. see any difference between someone like Anthony and Havertz. At least Anthony, you know, or he might he might be able to do a little cut inside and shoot thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not even getting that from Havertz, bro. It's bad, man. It is it's bad. bad so. It is bad. On that note, um, we should probably just call it a, a morning. Call it, I was going to say call it a night, but we are. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll call it a morning. Um, Sean, thank you very much. Uh, listeners, thank you for your questions. You kept us going for, you know, you know, pretty, uh, pretty um, uneventful week. So, yeah, um, we'll be back this week. Probably do uh, some Patreon content as well. So if you want to subscribe to us for that. Um, but yeah, next game isn't for, ne- isn't for not this week and the next weekend, isn't it? Yeah, Brent, so Brent a long way. Not for like another nine days. So, yeah. Well, all right. We'll we'll try and keep ourselves busy until uh until that time. But yeah, thank you for listening. Sean, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll be back again next week. Take it easy. Peace. It's got to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! 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 Go!
Network.